another episode of Bed Talks with Kay and I. Uh, we have a special guest, which is why we were playing the Survivor song. We think that she has earned this title for sure. Uh, please welcome Manette Morgan to our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, Manette. Hey, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks and, for having me. I appreciate it, Elizabeth and Kay. Yes, it's so great to have you on the show. We've been uh, trying to really enlighten and help encourage people because we know we have the COVID-19 crisis going on, so people have a lot of time for thinking and processing and confronting different things they're going through. But we're trying to bring uplifting stories during this time period. So we thought Manette uh, has such a great story. She is a survivor of domestic abuse and emotional abuse. Um, and she suffered this, uh, you know, in her childhood. And then as an adult, she was in an abusive relationship. And I know sometimes there's people out there that are going through really difficult situations where they may feel really isolated, like that they don't have anyone um, they can talk to or get help. And I wanted Manette to come on and tell her story because she's been someone who's really been able to overcome these odds. You know, Manette, why don't you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey? Okay. Um, yeah, just like you said, uh, I am a survivor of childhood emotional abuse by my dad. He's a great guy, but he was grew up in an emotionally abusive home himself. And, you know, occasionally that could cross over to physical. And from there, I um, was physically and sexually abused by a cousin, an older cousin, for almost five years. And that was pretty intense. That was probably the hardest part. And from there, I went on, of course, because I felt like it's all I deserved, and dated the high school handsome football, uh, blue-eyed, you know, guy that turned out to be emotionally abusive as well. Mm. And I stayed with him 10 years until I figured out this wasn't healthy and good for me or my children and decided to leave. Um it's kind of funny, the morning that that happened, I'll never forget as long as I live because I was just cleaning house, taking care of my kids, and I saw this lady on TV talking about um, surviving and who had been abused and depression. And it was exactly how I had felt for years, and I just didn't know that's what it was. And I think for me, that was my turning point. And what I say is it changed my perception. And from that day, I went from being a victim of abuse to survivor abuse. And let's talk about that for a minute. I, I think, you know, a couple of things you touched on are really important. You had children. And I think when you have children with someone, and at first, if you, that person's abuse, abusive of you before the kids come, once the kids come, it really makes it even more important in your mind, right, to kind of get yourself out of that situation. It becomes more elevated because it's almost like you don't want your kids to keep reliving things. And then you talked about your dad who it sounds like he was a survivor, right, of abuse possibly. And as we know about abuse, abuse is a huge uh, cycle, right, of, of people demonstrating what they've learned, right, as far as a behavior. So how did you, I know you saw someone who moved you to make a, a change, but for someone sitting in your shoes of where you were then, you know, what would you say to them about breaking that cycle of abuse? I mean, what what really helped you to just start changing your mind around the fact that you could get away from that abuser? I think the biggest thing was, was you know, first it was, uh, and it's true, exactly what you said. 
um, abuse is more than not a cycle within families, generational. Um, yeah, my dad was a survivor of his own abuse and, you know, of course he didn't know what to do with our children, with his own children. My mom was an amazing, loving, supportive person. That's probably the only reason any of us are sane in my family, uh, <laughs> you know, but, um, there is truth to that, that cycle, but she was an ultimate codependent as much as I love her. She was the perfect codependent to my dad and um and his alcoholism and everything but you're right you know that morning i was watching that show it was crazy because that was the moment that i really it just dawned on me that this was why i felt the way i did this is why i just i lived in this constant state of you know trauma and ptsd and i didn't even know it i wasn't even aware of how much anxiety and things i had but then the other turning point was when I talked to someone the first time, when I went and talked to a therapist and started getting information about abuse. And now it's out there everywhere. You know, it's available, you know, on websites and uh, different ways to find out more about abuse. You can go to my website and I'll lead you to places to learn more and get the help you need. In fact, if you're in a situation, I think that's huge. Um, but yeah, for me, it was, talking to someone and getting and understanding abuse because once I understood it I understood the odds of it happening to my own children and when I left my husband my kids were 18 months and three mm, very they were young. tiny yeah yeah they were babies and I just I think that's what pushed me to do the work and get the help was it, it just horrified me to think they could live my life it, so, it really was horrifying I, I couldn't let it happen so let me ask you um Manette. It, it, uh, Elizabeth was talking about just the cycles, but as I hear you speak, and even in my own experiences, sometimes I know cycles and patterns kind of go hand in hand. Um, but as I listen to you, it, it really sounds like your children helped you to 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 break this this cycle or break this this pattern, this repeated pattern of abuse. You're exactly right. It was because of them. I, I would, you know, this is what's sad. When you're a victim or a survivor of abuse, the first thing that's taken away from you is your self-worth. Hmm. You don't feel worthy of anything for the most part. Love, acceptance, value, money, anything. And for me, my kids were worth it. So I was like, you know what, I've got to do something because I, I'll be honest with you guys. I, you know, I grew up in a trailer house on a little farm. I had nothing. I, you know, I was married to a guy living check, paycheck to paycheck. It was horrible. And I, 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 what I wanted is all I could imagine after talking to therapists and understanding was my children would grow up and my daughter would grow up and I would be 50 years old sitting in a trailer house in this horribly abusive relationship that wasn't just emotional anymore. It was physical and everything else. And my daughter would learn how to be a victim and my son would learn how to be an abuser. And I couldn't live with myself. I couldn't live with the fact that that was a possibility and a, actually a pretty good possibility in my situation that that's where they would end up. And, and I didn't want to go there. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm asking some of these questions uh, because for one, I noticed like even in your book, um, you, you pretty much differentiate between the victim, meaning the person that's currently involved in this abusive relationship, and then the survivor, the one who's been removed 
from that abusive relationship. Um, it's amazing what you just said about having, if I, if I understood you correctly with your daughter and son, you didn't want to teach your daughter or, or, or didn't want her to believe that this was a learned behavior from a female standpoint, but you also did not want your son to believe that this was a learned behavior from a male standpoint. Um, as, as a young, as a boy myself, um, I did, I saw my mother physically abused and I'm sure millions of others have, but, and I've heard the excuses of those boys who now become men feeling that it was necessary to abuse their wives because it was a learned behavior. Well, as a child, I could just remember saying I would never become what my father, my biological father was. I, and I made sure that that would not happen. So it's, it's just amazing to, to hear that you did not want your, your children two sides of the spectrum from a male perspective and a female perspective thinking that this was the way that relationships were to go yes you're exactly right and you know uh by the way i condone you i am just so proud of you for having the courage not to repeat your dad's behaviors because that's a huge thing you've broken the cycle and that's a big deal to me and a lot of people out there because that's what it takes it takes that understanding this is not healthy, you know, in, in doing something different. And you're exactly right. That's exactly why I did it. And, you know, let's be honest here. It could have been my daughter that became the abuser and my son that became the victim. It huh. works both ways. Right. I am not right. trying to say it's just one way either. That was just what ran through my head at that point in my life before I really understood. I have men reach out to me all the time. And I know I wrote a book kind of toward women, but... I have men reach out a lot and say, wow, you know, I get it. It makes so much more sense. And, you know, it, it's not just one way or another, I guess. Yeah, it, I think it happens. It, I think it happens on both sides. I think there are men out there in abusive relationships, just like there are women. And I think for a man, it's even harder probably to come out and admit that because of how men are revered and put in a certain position in society, right, of being the lead of that household. So I... I, I think you're, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah, so so I think the and the key to any kind of abusive relationship is that the abuser isolates you, right? You feel very alone. You feel like you're the only person going through it, and the behavior is controlled, contrived, and very private. And when you elevate or you put the information out there, or you you get access to exposing what that person's doing, that's when the power gets taken away. So I, I really feel you sharing your story, Kay sharing his story. It helps other people to know, A, they're not alone, and B, when you expose the behavior, it's hard for that behavior to continue. And it's almost like it, it gives you a way to pull away, right? Because then you start to pull towards resources or people or, you know, or be able to take the actions to get away from that situation. Well, I think it's just it's all a part of the healing process. When you agree with that, that everything, whether talking to individuals, uh, whether writing a book um, or whether even, you know, teaching or coaching individuals, that's still a part of the healing process. It is. I agree 100 percent. And, and you know, it's just like you guys are saying right now. I mean, you know, a lot of times physical and sexual abuse are pretty obvious. Let's face it. They're not hard to see or understand mm -hmm. as much. But emotional, psychological abuse is it's a lot more challenging because if that's all you've ever known are those kind of behaviors, just like you were talking about, hey, you grew up with a dad and he, you know, he was inappropriate with your mom and, and you know, abusing her and things, and it may have been physical, it may have been emotional, but sometimes when we grow up in that, and that's all we know, 
we just accept that as normal. That's our normal. Right. And, the and dysfunction becomes functional normal. is what I always say. If, if that's what, how you're used to functioning, that becomes a normal way of functioning if you know nothing different. And, and I kind of... Exactly. Yeah. And I want you to talk about that for a moment because I think emotional abuse could be even harder because there aren't physical scars, but there is a lot of emotional scars. In hindsight, looking back at your relationships, because I do want us to eventually get to talk about the positive relationships you've had after being in an abusive relationship. Can you identify if someone's in a situation right now where they're dating someone and they're sensing, you know, some things are off. Maybe there hasn't been a physical, physically abusive situation, but maybe they're feeling like the emotional abuse could be something that's characteristic of this person. What are signs that you would tell them? to look for or you know what behaviors do you typically see in situations or scenarios where someone is emotionally abusive I think the big red flag I've always found is control and manipulation um, really good psychological emotionally abusive people are super manipulative and very controlling and they'll also the, if they're really to the extreme really well they'll turn things around and make you feel like everything's your fault. You know, they'll blame you for their actions if they're inappropriate or hurtful or even physical. Um, they're they're just dominating. They may destroy your property. They may control your life. They may control your friends, your family. These are huge red signs of someone that is, you know, abusive. Um, and you have to start looking at it because I, I mean my my first husband he was a gaslighter I mean you talk about turning everything around and it was my fault and telling me he wouldn't have to act that way if I wouldn't act that way hmm. um, you know dominating you know do crazy things to get in your head like play with knives and guns and act like you know I could take you out if I wanted to you know just horrible things just to manipulate and control me and if he felt like I was getting out of line and not following his lead and bowing down to him and his control the stuff got worse I mean he would get more intense uh, more controlling even at times you know like back you up against the wall and get a little physical with ever never really laying a hand on you but dominating those are the things we have to watch for and, and like I said it really boils down to manipulation and control however they can do it, however they can control and manipulate you. And I have one, another follow-up to that. So say someone does recognize they're in an abusive relationship and they have kids and they're fi they're financially dependent, you know, on their abuser. A lot of times people are like, why don't people walk away? It's so easy. Sometimes people really just don't know how to access the resources that are available to them to walk away. And I think uh, the first step as I, you know, look through your book is definitely the mental shift and knowing that you can walk away, which is probably the hardest because if someone is emotionally abusive or physically abusive or both, you're worn out mentally, right? So in those situations, oh, you are. yeah, you're worn out. You're just trying to survive day to day. So if someone is in that situation, what would you, you know, advise them? Like if they're financially dependent on their abuser and they just really are trying to keep their head above water each day, what would be a crucial step just to help them to shift, you know, their mindset into being able to get out of that situation? I think the first step is what, like I talk about in the book, is just stepping out of denial. You first, you just got to understand what abusive situation you're in. Let's just be honest with ourselves and get real, okay? 
And because once you realize it, then you start seeing it through different eyes is the way I always say. Um, and from there, then you can start getting the knowledge, the information and things you need. By the way, RAIN is R-A-I-N-E, R-A-I-N-N, excuse me, dot org is a great organization. You can go on there. And if even if you have someone following your stuff, they have like a little thing that I'm pretty sure that keeps them from tracking where you went and looked on the website. Um, and they have, I mean, pages and pages of resources all over the country to help you. Because some people are in horrific, dangerous situations. And they need to get out ASAP. They, they're looking at saving their lives and their children's lives. Other people, like mine, he was manipulative, controlling, and he I didn't make hardly any money. He was the breadwinner. So when I left, and, and I don't want to scare people, it cost me a lot financially. I mean, it took me, I ended up on bankruptcy a few years later, and then I had to start over and get back on my feet. But it was worth it. I don't care who you are, I thought it was worth it. Because I regained my self-worth. I became an individual again for the first time in my life, actually. And... I became stronger, and I made it out, guys. I made yeah, it out. You sound I had, great. I had a great Definitely time. do. Yeah. <laughs> sound like you're in a good place. <laughs> Definitely so, do. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't want to scare you when I tell you that, but sometimes we have to make some hard decisions, mm-hmm. and we have to make some hard steps. But that one organization, it's also on the front page of my website. So, you know, um, that's at minutemorgan.com, and we'll spell that later and stuff for you guys. But... Yeah, it's a great organization to get you those, maybe those different people and help you need. You know, I always say, like in the book, I always like, you know, you got to, you know, get out, get help, and start over. That's my three things. I like that. Say (laughs) that one more time. You You said get out, get help, and start over. Get out, get help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And getting help can be different things, guys. That's not always just like, a therapist or reading my book that's also maybe involved getting a lawyer getting a new place to live i mean right. it could be a lot of things. coming up with a plan really. and then, you sound like you came up with a plan yeah too. you got to get a plan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then and then starting over just get ready you know the way i looked at it, i remember someone asked me one time a long time ago before i ever wrote the book or did it they go well what made you at 23 24 decide to do that and I was like, you know what? I think I looked at it like I'm only 23 or 24. I've got right. my whole life ahead of exactly. me. I can have a better life if I just fix this. And do that, that's a huge, mo- that's a huge motivational factor right there. <laughs> and you know what? The other thing is, exactly. I don't, and I don't think it's always black and white. So I, I, I coach people, and sometimes you know, people who are abusers can they do have good characteristics, <laughs> and so sometimes people oh. get. Right. So sometimes it can be hard for people to differentiate that behavior because and they may accept it as a norm, because, again, like you said, that becomes their norm. But also because like they could be a good provider or they might be a good parent in some way. But if they are creating that toxicity in the relationship, that is damaging, you know, to the kids and to your relationship. But I think sometimes people get confused because they may only zone in on the positive things, you know, that person does and kind of. Try to think You're of- exactly right, Elizabeth. I talk. I always call them monsters and lambs, man. I'm like, mm-hmm. they can be a monster and a lamb all the same day, week, and month. Wow. <laughs> some some one. people would call that bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But you know what? These um, these really good control manipulators. 
they're they're good at it. Let me just say, and I, I I do. I talk about it, and I even have like a list in my workbook that says, okay, now check them off and see where they're heavy. Are they a landlord or a monster? Horse? You can figure it out because those same people that do that can be so loving and caring when they want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can. They can just be the most romantic or caring and make you feel so special, but then they'll turn around and do this other stuff that you're like, what happened? What happened? Why did that happen? Why is he doing that? Why did he tear up something of mine? Or why did he accuse me of something I didn't do? And by the way, guys, I don't care if you're a female or a male, when they accuse you of stuff like affairs and things, just take note. That's probably what, what they're, they're doing. doing. <laughs> we talk about that all the time. <laughs> that, that, uh, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, some someone, uh, well, in, in my neck of the woods, we we call them like OGs, and what that simply means, you know, someone who's very experienced. And I never forget where an OG uh, literally pulled me to the side. He said, "Young Buck, I, I was, you know, just, just still green behind the ears, wet behind the ears." He said, "If you ever accused yeah. of doing things that you know you're not doing, and it's always from the same person, nine, nine, ten times, they're doing it." <laughs> Exactly. Great advice. Great advice. <laughs> and I didn't understand it quite then, but as I got older and unfortunately found myself in, myself in some relationships where I was always questioned, and Elizabeth knows I've, I've shared this with her, this one relationship I was in, I said, hold on, it's almost like his words came back to me, and this was like 10 years after these words were first introduced to me, and I said, hold on, what exactly is she doing? And as an old buddy of mine has always said, if you look hard enough for something, you'll find it. <laughs> you will. It's so true. It is so true. And these great manipulators and controllers, nine times out of ten, commit adultery, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than not, let's just say. There's a percentage of doubt that most of them do. And you know something else to think about on this topic, guys, is because, like we talked about, our normals that we grow up in, I'm gonna, you know, there's a, there's some abusers out there that are emotionally abusive. I'm not talking about physical and sexual, but emotional. That, you know, they need education too because some of them, they're not bad people, just like you were talking about, Elizabeth. And they just don't know any difference. They don't even understand that what they're doing is not good for their partner, not healthy not good for their children to witness. They're not even aware of it either. And some of those people, we Mm. need to give them credit because I think they have the capacity to change and do it different if it was just, you know, becoming more aware of it. There's relationships that don't have to break up. They can both go to therapy or they can both work on it and they can both do things to get better and healthier. And then there's others that let's just give it up and move on. (laughs) I love how you look at both sides of, of, of the spectrum. I mean, really, just just how, you know, whether it's, yeah. you know, earlier in our interview, you stated that it wasn't just this is not just for women, even though the book may be more so catered to women. You also introduce, you know, this is for guys, too. So as, as we continue talking, I just hear you, you're, you're pretty balanced and fair on both sides, you know, of, of the fence. And uh, that, that is much appreciated, especially coming from a man. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, that's, you know, I think that's something this Me Too movement has done um, that it scared men, and and they don't know what to do sometimes in some places. They're like, oh, my gosh, am I going to get trouble? Is somebody going to accuse me of something? Is something bad going to happen? And 
you know, a word out there, just if you guys don't mind me sharing, a word out there. If you are a woman and you are falsely accusing anybody of anything, shame on you and quit. You are making it so much harder for everyone else that has legit things going on and has suffered. Wow. So first of all, I just want to get that on the table. That is not right. That is wrong. Yeah. Now, also, for you guys out there, just be respectful. Hmm. And it should be fine. The good people and the regular people out there will be just fine. Just be respectful and move on. Yeah, and when in be doubt, just ask. worried about it. Yeah, when in doubt, before doing something, I always say ask if it's okay to do it. You know, is it okay if I hug and thank you? Thank you. That's perfect, Elizabeth. Because yes, you, you, yes, you then ask. empower the other person to okay like, right, right. <laughs> And so you yeah. had such a, so I wanted to say like your book, so Manette's book is called Finding Your Voice, A Path to Recovery for Survivors of Abuse. I love a lot of things about your book. Um, you talk a lot about affirmations. I used to think affirmations were corny, but then when I started doing them, I thought that I, I found them to be extremely impactful. I think the worst voice sometimes is our own inner voice. And so it's really important that we talk to ourselves in a gentle way, the way we would for others. So I love how you have the worksheets in your book that people can do to really put things into action, to come up with a plan to get out of these types of relationships or to break the cycle. I like how you talk about the, the power of the affirmations and the reflections points of you know each of your chapters. And I just want you to also uh, share with the audience kind of how you help other women because you kind of taken on a mission now uh, to, to empower others. Yes, so I, I want you to share a little bit about that. Sure. Thank you. Um, yes, I have, um, started, uh, if you go to the front page on my website at Manette, M-A-N-N-E-T-T-E Morgan.com. I have started saying you can join a movement to stop the cycle of abuse. I feel like this is very possible. And I have a lot of people look at me like I have lost my mind when I talk about this. <laughs> But I do believe it's possible. Now, will it happen in my lifetime? Probably not. I'm 54. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's very, very possible because it's, it's the things we've already talked about. It's understanding abuse and how prevalent it is in our society. It's the second part is understanding the types of abuse, what that really looks like, you know, defining that emotional and psychological and you know, sexual and physical abuse and knowing that and helping people get help that don't really want to be that way to the, you know, um, survivors, helping them heal. That's why I wrote the book. And I have a workbook now that takes you through that whole process. Y'all just have the book. But um, so those are the steps. You know, it's the understanding, the education, the healing, the putting the pieces of your life back together. Um, I always say, you know, when I wrote the book, it's kind of funny. I started therapy years and years ago. I was 24. I mean, that was, what, 30 years ago when I did therapy and started on my own journey. And the thing I found was they could tell me why I was the way I was, how I had gotten here, why I had accepted poor behaviors from others. But no one would say, Manette, this is how you put the pieces of your life back together. This is how you heal all that pain and trauma you've experienced. And that's what I really try to provide in Finding Your Voice are those answers because I know what it's like to be out there and not know normal. I know what it's like not to understand. And I wanted 
to make something simplistic to help those understand because for every survivor out there that we help them heal, they will regain their self-worth, they will become so empowered, and they will break the cycle of abuse in their own life and then their children's lives. And that's how we do the ultimate mission and stop the cycle of abuse. At least that's what I think. <laughs> wow. And let me ask you something. I, I love storytelling. And if you were uh -huh. standing right now in front of two women, uh, the one on the right was the actual victim, meaning that she's uh, unfortunately still in an abusive relationship. And the other one to the left, uh, the survivor, is no longer in an abusive relationship, but, you know, someone you know, somewhat still feels entrapped. If you had both of those women, which I'm sure you've had over these years in coaching and, and mentoring, what would you say to yeah. the person, the woman on the right first, who's the victim, meaning she's still involved in this abusive relationship, and after you would, 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 of course, mentor, coach, minister to her, what would you say to the woman on the left who's now a survivor but still struggling with, uh, with, with the, the, the residue of being in an abusive relationship? Okay, for the woman that's still a victim, I would tell her, I'd probably look her in the eye, I've done it many times, and I'd look at her and say, listen, honey, <laughs> you deserve so much more. This is not the life you need. This is, you deserve a better life, first of all. First and foremost, just understand that you're a human being and you deserve more. And you can have more. That is possible. You're not alone. There's millions of us out there that have been through this. And there's so many that have worked their way out of it into a better life. That's what I'd tell the victim. Hmm. Because that's what she needs to start. It's just so overwhelming. And then for the survivor that's gotten out, she's done some work, she's figured some things out, I would probably look at her <laughs> and I would say, honey, put your big girl panties on. <laughs> Get your notebook out and go to school. <laughs> if you really want what you want, now you know you don't. You know what you don't want. Mm -hmm. You know you, you you don't want to be in that abusive relationship. But you're struggling to find yourself or discover who you are or whatever. I would just say, put on your backpack, go back to school, and get to work. Because the more you figure out, the more you learn, the more you discover who you are the more you find your empowerment, the more you tame those coping and survival skills, <laughs> the better life you're going to have. And the world is yours. Wow. Take it from someone that knows. I mean, like I said, I filed bankruptcy. I lost everything I had except my children. And a few years later, I ended up having to let my son go live with his dad, and I kept my daughter. And I am just telling you, it's possible. We live in a world that anything is possible, or at least this country or whatever you want to call it, because I was uneducated. I had a high school degree. Um, I had no income, and I figured it out. I got out there and started a little design business. I made some money. I grew it. I got better. I got smarter. And on top of all this, I don't, I don't think we've talked about that. I'm severely dyslexic. And today I've written a book. Wow. So it's 
the world is yours. Can you tell them too? You got to believe in yourself. Yeah, and can uh-huh. you can you share with them too that your story has a happy ending? I I want you to share with the audience yeah. a little bit about how you have been able to find love um, after you went through all the things yes. you went through. I I've been very fortunate. I you know I had the crappy stuff up to twenty four, <laughs> and then by the time I was twenty seven, I met this amazing man. Um, at first, it was hard. I didn't feel like quite I deserved him yet. I was still in that process of growing and learning. But you talk about an amazing man that loved me unconditionally, um, cared about me like you would never believe, cared about my daughter, my son. Um, he was just an amazing person, and he, he really helped me build my confidence. I mean, I was doing it on my own, and I talk about that. you got to do it for yourself. But it didn't hurt to have someone that supported and loved me. And I had two people in my life that did that at that point, my mom and him. And it was just an amazing relationship. It was almost like a fairy tale, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But he was just so kind and gracious and caring. And then, unfortunately, we were together almost 10 years and he passed away. And that was really hard and struggled, but that's okay. Um, I'm a believer everything happens for a reason, even the hard stuff. And not long, not very long after he had passed, I met another husband, which I'm still married to, by the way, <laughs> uh, over 16 years, an amazing man, loving, caring, and supportive. He's the one that wanted me to write this book. He's one of the people that was like, no. And it took seven years. I took seven years out of my life to write this book. And... I lived overseas with him. I've traveled the world. I've had so many great adventures. Both of my children, I'm so proud of. They're both grown. They're both educated. My daughter, my son is a soccer coach. My daughter um, is in like HR and has her master's. She's married and expecting a baby um, in a healthy relationship. And my son's engaged. So I'm just so happy. I have an amazing life now. And I've had the amazing life for about 30 years, actually. It's been so great to talk to you. And I I really think that our listeners, when they listen to you and hear your story and see how you've really just been able to learn from it and also empower others who may be going through something similar, I think they're really going to be tuning in to learn more about you. So can you tell them where to find you, um, your website information, your book information, uh, if they want to access you? Sure. Yeah, thank you so much, Elizabeth. Yes, it's um, if you go to my website at Manette, M-A-N-N-E-T-T-E, like Annette with an M in front, Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N, dot com, you can go there and you can join the movement. You can scroll down and learn more about me. You can look at getting the book. And now, just as of a couple of weeks ago, the workbook's out. So there's a book, there's a workbook, there's Audible, and in another week, there'll be a healing audio CD that you listen to, just what you're talking about, Elizabeth, on the affirmations that helps you reprogram and believe in yourself and rebuild that self-worth that'll be out very, very shortly. And all of this stuff is available on Amazon and every major retailer out there. Okay. So I encourage you to do that and follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Yeah, and her her book is called Finding Your Voice, A Path to Recovery for Survivors of Abuse by Manette Morgan. And it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. 
Oh, thank you guys so much. You guys were great to talk to, and thanks for sharing your stories, too, and, and talking more about it. I think that helps. The more people understand how prevalent, the easier it is to get. So on that note, we are going to close out our show of Bed Talks. Um, for those listeners out there, please remember to subscribe to future episodes of our podcast on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And until next time, XOXO. And thanks again, Manette, for joining us today. Thank you.